good. All right, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Sorry about that. Matthew chapter 1. I should get there too. chapter 1. Uh, last night, if you were at the service last night, we covered some of this, and that's... Is that a little better? All right. All right, last night we covered this a little bit, and we saw, we looked at uh, some of the names that were given in that passage. We looked at... Um, Jesus, we looked at Jesus' name and the titles that Jesus had, Christ. And we saw that Jesus' name means uh, Yahweh saves, or uh, he came to save his people, the one who saves his people. And it also, we looked at the word Christ, that it means the anointed one, and it's the anointed, the anointed one, not just a anointed one. Uh, we saw that in many places in scripture there were a lot of people that were uh, anointed, kings and priests and other people were anointed. But this one that's anointed is the anointed one. And we saw that Jesus saves his, came to save his people and not the government from his people. He came to save his people from their sins. He didn't come to, to uh, overthrow the government. Okay, and today we're going to look at another name that's given here, and it's Emmanuel, and it means God with us. So let's read the passage, uh, then we will go on. Matthew 1, 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When as his um, mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, from sleep did a as did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and 
uh, knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name uh, Jesus. So let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that Jesus did come in the flesh as a man. And Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we ask that you'd help us now as we take a few moments and look into your word and think about what's going on in this passage. Just help us to understand. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is Joseph. Just give you a thumbnail sketch of what's happening in this passage. Uh, it's Joseph, and he's been a spouse to a wife, and the normal uh, marriage uh, process in that time was they get espoused together, they get into a contract together to marry, and but the it took like a year or more for that to come or for that to come to pass, and during that time the husband would be preparing a home or whatever for his new bride and after a while they'd have a celebration and they would be married. They'd come together and have the normal marriage relationship. Um, and while this was going while this period was going on, it was obvious that Mary was pregnant. And he's already espoused to her to be, you know, husband and wife. You know, if you can imagine what's going through his mind, he's saying, what on earth do I do? I mean, I'm supposed to be marry this this lady, and, and she's, she's pregnant. And you can imagine how perplexing that would be for him. What, what, what does he do? He's thinking about, you know, the law says when this happens, you have to... You know, find out what's going on, and at the very least, it dishonors the father of the bride. And at the worst, they stone her. And everything in between. And he's thinking about, so I don't really want to, you know, make a public example out of her, but yet I could still have to do the right thing. And this is what's going on in his mind. And he's thinking about these things. Um, and, a, and an angel comes to him. He's, he's considering all the options that he has. And an angel comes to him in a dream. Um, and, and the angel reminds him of the one who was called Emmanuel. God with us. That's a very important statement for us to think about today. Uh, anyway, he goes on. He wakes up in the dream and he does what the angel had suggested that he did, does. But, um, and I want you to think about this question as we look at this. What does it truly mean if we say in our heart of hearts that we believe God is with us? What does that really mean? I heard one person say, he says, who dares, who dares to say that they believe in God? And this was a guy that 
was an atheist, and he got confronted a few times about, you know, God and all that, and he said, you know what, I'm going to take two years to think about this. And at the end of those two years, that was one of the first questions he said, who dares to say they believe in God? And he went on this, like, an hour video that he had, but he goes on to say, if a person truly believes that the God, there is a God, how would their life change? You know, it's not believing that there's a God. It's not this coat that I put on and I show all to you. Saying that I believe God is something that's deep in my heart. It's deep in your heart. And how would you change your life? How would it change the decisions that you make, the things that you say, the things that you do, if you truly believe there was a God? Or that God was with us? All right, that was an excursus. All right, notice in verse 22. Um, yes, verse 22, it says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, um, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying... This is a very important statement because it lets us know that God has a plan. And that He is beginning... It is beginning to come to pass. This plan that he, he talked about, that was talked about in Isaiah, I think it was around 500 years earlier, no, 700 years earlier than this event, when Joseph is sitting there wondering what to do. And throughout Jesus' ministry, we also often hear Jesus say that I had to do these things that the scriptures might be fulfilled. The statement is pre preparing us for what comes next. Let's look at it very closely. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This is a quote from Isaiah 7.14, and Isaiah 7.14 says this, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Behold, that word behold there means look, means look and see. Sometimes we pray that, we say, uh, give them eyes to see and ears to hear. So Matthew is saying, I want you to look at this, look and see. And let us look, let's do, let's follow what the scripture says and look and see. A virgin shall be with child. This is a miracle in itself, but it's not too difficult for God seeing he is a God who can create out of nothing. So it's nothing for him to create a child and a woman. But this particular one is the son of God, the anointed one we talked about earlier, the one whose father is the Lord. His name is Emmanuel. Actually, it's a title, Emmanuel. 
Um, and the title, the meaning of Emmanuel is God with us. We've talked, said this several times already. And what this is, is talking about is referring Joseph back, reminding him of Isaiah and some of the kings that were in Isaiah's time, particularly Ahaz and Hezekiah. Um, during that time of Ahaz and Hezekiah, the Assyrians came into the northern kingdom and besieged it. In fact, they invaded both Syria and the northern Israel. And they had besieged Samaria, which is the capital of the northern kingdom, and Damascus, which was the capital city of Samaria. And they had it besieged. And a besiege, if you understand what that means, is where they surround the city and they don't let people come and go so they can't bring in food and they'll cut off the water supply if they can. You know, they just starve them out until they just submit. They were besieged. And while all this was going on, Ahaz saw it, and later his son Hezekiah, Ahaz, wasn't the great king that we, he wasn't a king that followed after God. But Hezekiah was, and he, he came in, and he started bringing some reforms to Israel. He started serving God. His, if I remember correctly, he was hid away in the temple, you know, from his parents. And um, they just hid him away. And he started, uh, the high priest there was teaching him about God. And from a very young age, he, he started learning about God and the commandments. And he started putting these things into practice when he became king. And he was making all these reforms. And when all this was going on in the northern kingdom where Assyria was, had those two countries under siege, he's going to the priest saying, what should I do? He inquires of a prophet, Isaiah. And Isaiah says, this is what you should do. You have a... He gave him a choice and said, well, he had the choice, but he said, you need to trust God. You need to trust God because God is with you. And if you look at Hezekiah's life, he went and prepared for the siege to come. But he trusted God. He was prepared. He didn't say, you know what, I'm not going to go and just get my army together and just go get a hold of the Assyrians right now while they're in battle. He chose to trust God. And one of the things that's really notable about what he did, he, he built a aqueduct to get water into the city of Jerusalem. Um, and while he was preparing for the siege, he was still trusting God. And it wasn't easy for him because some of his counselors that he had you know, they were left over from his, his father. And some of them was giving him the idea, you know what, you need to do something. You need to make appeasement. you got to do something. But he kept trusting God, trusting God. And they sent the Assyrian, uh, I can't remember his name, but the king of Assyria 
sent down one of his generals down there to Jerusalem. And he's out there talking to them. Almost had his name. Um, and he's saying all these things. He says, don't let Hezekiah trick you. He's talking to all the people on the wall. He says, don't let Hezekiah trick you in thinking that your God is going to deliver you from my hand or from my master's hand. Because all the gods of all the other people that are surround you, they weren't able to deliver you, them, and neither will your God be able to deliver you. But still, Hezekiah, even though hearing this, he still trusted. He trusted God. And he, he gave uh, the, the passage that we read about uh, behold a child will be born. If you read that whole section there, chapter 7 and 8 it talks about that child is born to someone and there's kind of a debate who that is but anyway this child is born of a woman and he goes on to say before this child is old enough to choose to refuse the evil and to choose the good all of this is going to come to pass. The northern kingdom's going to fall. Syria's going to fall. And before all that happens, it's going to come to pass. And if you think about that, that could be a long time. That could be several years from, you know, time a, a, a lady is pregnant till that child is old enough to refuse the good and choose, or refuse the bad and choose the good. You know, that could be years. So that's how... How long that sieges often happened took years sometimes. But anyway, back to the story. Matthew kind of uses that as an analogy for Matthew. There, that when he says, "Behold, a virgin shall conceive," and it's important for us to understand that. As I pointed out earlier, this perplexing situation that Matthew is in, and he, he's looking at all of his options, what should he do? His wife is pregnant, it's obvious that she's pregnant, and it wasn't by him. What's he going to do? And the angel comes to him and reminds him of this and uses it as an analogy, a parallel, saying, just as God was with Hezekiah, he'll be with you. God with us. God with you. Now it was up to Joseph. He had, he had options. We, we talked about those. But it says there in the passage, he says, when he woke up from his dream, he did as what the angel had been in to do. He chose to trust God. To trust God. And I, I say all that, and I want you to understand, you might be saying, what does that have to do with me today? How, how does that have to me? And as, just as I started out with some questions, I'll repeat some of those questions, and I can't answer the questions for you, but hopefully it'll probe your mind 
and you'll think about these things true. How would your life change if you truly knew that God was with you? How would your decisions change if you truly knew that God was near you? We can all give the Sunday school answer, yeah, I know God is with us. We can all do that. Because I know that God is with me. This is what I believe. And this is what he had had me to do. Just like Joseph did. He said, you know, God is with me. And this is what I'm going to do. And if you're here, you're a sinner today, you've never trusted Christ, what would you say that you would believe God to save you? From his wrath to come. Because if you've never trusted Christ, the wrath of God abides on you right now. It's not something in the future. It's not when you die. The wrath of God abides on you now. We talked about that a lot when we were in Romans 1. The wrath of God abides on all unrighteousness and ungodliness. Sinner, would you say, I believe God will save me from his wrath to come because I've done wrong by not believing God. You know, that was Israel's downfall. That's our downfall, is our unbelief. You know, in Hebrews it tells us that the, the first generation that came out of Egypt, they weren't allowed to go in the promised land because of their unbelief. And that's enough that we learned, talked about in Romans 1. Unbelief. And not being thankful. So would you today trust Christ, repent of your son, and turn to him in repentance and faith. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to look in your word. And Father, as we think these questions through, and we think this situation through that Joseph had, help us just to really answer the question, what would I do if I really believed that you were with us? Father, we just thank you for that challenge. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that you put this in your word to challenge us to consider and Father, we just thank you and we praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So let's stand.